Welcome to She Illuminated. I'm Jana Fuchs, a licensed clinical psychotherapist and soul coach for burnt out women and moms looking to take control of their stress and say hello to a more joyful life. I'm also a mom to two incredible young humans, one of whom is autistic. Together, we will dive into real, raw, and messy conversations about intuition, vulnerability, and the resilience of the human spirit. We all deserve the gift of connection to ourselves and to our lives. So let's spend a little time together here, and perhaps we can walk through the rest of this day feeling just a bit more brightly illuminated. Let's go. Hey, hey, welcome back to episode six of She Illuminated. I just want to let you all know that, again, my gratitude just keeps growing and growing for this amazing community of listeners. Uh, We are performing really well and getting amazing feedback from all y'all. And um, I just want to thank you so much for leaving your reviews. They are so helpful in spreading the word about the show and therefore making the show more accessible to more people um, so that it can have a wider impact. And according to some metrics that I recently saw a couple days ago, the show is growing rapidly within multiple podcast categories. And again, the goal of She Illuminated is to explore the power of intuition, taking soul-led action, and turning pain into opportunities and abundance. And the positive reinforcement that you're giving us with your reviews and interactions on social media and subscribing to the show is everything. So thank you so, so much. And if the show, if the content of the show has meant something to you, if you've listened to, you know, more than one or maybe two episodes, please, it would mean the world to me if you would take a moment and just write a review. I pour everything into this show and it would mean so much. I read every single one and um, I am just delighted to, to read through them. Okay, so... Today's episode is going to teach you all about harnessing your inner power and not letting self-doubt, negative beliefs about yourself, or assumptions about what others think and feel about you tell you otherwise. On today's show, I'm going to be chatting with the very wise and very magnetic sought-after thought leader, Lena Athena. She is a TEDx speaker and career consultant for high-empathy women looking toward building leadership and self-advocacy. And talk about a refreshingly real and dynamic woman. Y'all are going to eat this episode up. You might even want to take notes as you listen because Lena's message is really important for women out there. I think every woman out there who occasionally struggles with self-doubt. And let's be honest, who of us doesn't? And if you're anything like me, this episode is going to roll around in your mind for days after, maybe weeks or months, and it's going to cause you to reflect on what's holding you back and where you need to shift your energies. For instance, if you're a high empathy person, <clears throat> you may be someone who struggles a bit with people pleasing and chasing after the futile pursuit of external validation. And at some point, you're probably going to begin to feel burnt out and lost. And you could ultimately end up in a place where you feel like you barely recognize yourself because 
You've lost touch with what's important to you, what brings you meaning and connection and joy. And I do a lot of work around this stuff with my clients, as does Lena, which is why I'm so eager to join her in this conversation today. So let me tell you a little bit about Miss Lena Athena. An overly analytical and sensitive child, Lena had to learn to overcome feelings of powerlessness and self-doubt so that she could create a meaningful social impact. Having been a TEDx speaker, nonprofit director, and chair of a county commission on the status of women, her leadership received congressional recognition and the prestigious title of Silicon Valley 2020 Woman of Influence. Whew. After achieving all of this, Lena realized that her next calling is to assist women whose incredible potential is trapped under layers of self-doubt like hers used to be. And now she helps high-empathy women like you to build surreal self-trust, cultivate a powerful and respected leadership presence, and communicate with complete conviction so that you powerfully lead your life and make the world around you a healthier and happier place. Lena, so happy to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. I'm really happy we get to chat today. Me too. So before we get into all of my burning questions for you, um, I'm trying something new with each of my guests at the beginning of each episode. And so I wanted to know if you could share one thing from this week that you're grateful for and one thing that you're trying to troubleshoot or work through for yourself. Yeah, um, it hasn't happened yet, but I, I'm having gratitude in advance. So tomorrow I get to teach my second ever dance class. It's a new thing I've started doing, teaching Bollywood dance classes, and I freaking love it. And I'm just so, so excited for tomorrow. That is so cool. How long have you been, uh, how many How many Bollywood dance classes have you yourself taken? Um, <laughs> Hundreds. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. I, yeah. I have to hear about that um, at a later time. That's so, I, I love that. Okay, and one thing that you are trying to troubleshoot or work through. Yeah, I had a really big aha moment yesterday. Um, you know, for me, like personal growth has been one of my top values for as long as I can remember. And I caught myself realizing that I have the belief, which sounds really like super sexy and awesome, right? That I should always try to expand my comfort zone. And I had an aha moment about how much of like fatigue, exhaustion, overworking, under appreciating the progress I have been making can like very easily come from that place of just remembering, oh, well, my comfort zone expanded. Now it's on to the next comfort zone. Now I need the next thing. Now I need the next thing. So something I'm really working through right now is better balancing um, that internal pressure. Like I've done a lot of work around not listening to the inner critic and maneuvering that. But this is kind of the next level for me around like, okay, can I give myself more permission to love growth and value it? but not feel like it has to be a requirement of every single day. You know, and as you were talking, I was looking at the ladder next to you. Um, Cause I feel like that ladder represents so much of what you were just saying. It's like we, and, and that's also a value that I share as well. Um, and you know, the ladder of climbing towards the next, the next rung, the next th milestone that we can push ourselves to expanding beyond what we thought would ever have been initially possible at the very bottom rung. Um, but then also, does the goal always need to be to keep climbing higher and higher? Um, and at if and at what cost. And sometimes it's really good to just hang out for a while at like the rung that you're at. 
um, to take in the view and to just like chill and rest and preserve your energy um, before moving on to the next stage of growth. That's kind of how I see it. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I know we'll get into this later, right? But having studied psychology and originally I really wanted to be like a middle school guidance counselor. And so I naturally just always reference back to like, how did I, how did I become this way? Like what wired me, what programmed me this way? And I think a lot of us, like we're celebrated for milestones. We're not celebrated for lack of milestones. Right. And so it's like literally that simple that as a child, it's like, oh, well, some of the moments I felt the most loved were the times that I was pushing myself outside my comfort zone. So, of course, it's easier for me to feel self-love just naturally when I am outside my comfort zone because there's that subconscious association. And so, you know, I had my little moment of like being like, okay, this sucks or whatever. But I think beyond that, it's just the opportunity to like appreciate it for what it is. Try not to repeat that with the children that end up in my life, right? Um, and then... And then just saying, okay, cool. So, so that's why that's easy, but like there's an alternative and you know, how can I get the alternative to feel more natural over time? Girl, preach. It's all always a balancing act. And I too, every day, I'll be totally transparent. I have to remind myself to slow down um, because I don't want to miss a, I don't want to miss the moments that I I, sh I really could benefit from taking in that would bring me joy to take in. And also, it's like I need to recharge to ground myself and ground my nervous system. And if I bite off more than I can chew, time-wise or like bandwidth-wise, I find I start – it's like my body lets me know. What my mind is suppressing, my body will start to let me know. And then I have to rebalance on that ladder. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So, in the work that you do now, you state, quote, I used to trade so much of my time and energy for meaningless external validation. I used to be tired, unfulfilled, underappreciated, and uncertain about how to fix it. Can you say more about that period of your life and what specific types of things were going on for you? Um, let's start there. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it actually ties perfectly with what we were talking about. Totally. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so like most young people coming out of college, I felt like I had both closed a chapter in my life, but also was starting this really ambiguous marathon of like getting to feeling good enough, grown enough, mature enough in my career. And there was no very clear parameter of what would be enough. And what I found myself doing was because of that emotional state of just feeling like, oh, I'm not enough. There's a lot of doubt in here. I don't want to deal with it. Um, one way to quiet that inner critic was very much just to say, okay, well, I'm doing my best. I'm pushing, I'm growing, I'm doing my best. And the other way to do it was through external validation like oh well you know at least my boss said good job or at least my mom seems to think i'm doing fine or whatever it was and the exhaustion just came from always trying to either prove to myself that i was growing enough or to impress the next person so i could get to the next step and the next step and i think a lot of i mean a lot of women especially from what i see are in this perpetual date of like not only emotional but like mental physical exhaustion because we're in this race to who knows where <laughs> like literally who knows where and I think the aha moment for me was when I was like I don't know where I'm racing to I, I don't have a single clue where it is that I'm racing to what will be enough um, I just knew that being better than I was yesterday was enough. So it was very like competitive with myself. And then I also knew that like making the people around me happy was important to me. And at the time I didn't label it as people pleasing. I just labeled it as like caring about people. Um, it's a very fine line. So for me, it was this evolution of like years of really learning. Okay. Is this people pleasing or is this connecting with people? <laughs> is this 
you know, is this pushing to grow in like a healthy, beautiful, like way where I know what my goal is and I'm working towards it in a way that feels authentic to me? Or is this like pushing for the sake of quieting that inner critic to be like, get off my back. I'm doing enough. Yeah. 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 The race to nowhere. That so resonates um, because it's so true. And we live in this like culture here of like toxic productivity. Um, and, you know, I, I'm also like, as you were talking, looking back, um, how much do you feel that like systemic sexism was one of the contributing factors of your people pleasing, um, you know, or cultural norms around what it is um, to be a girl um, and that having that girl turn into a woman? Uh, yeah, I'm just wondering if you could speak to some of that. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, reflecting on it, I definitely think there are cultural expectations and in a non-judgment way, right? Like I expect the sun to rise every morning and I'm not trying to put pressure on the sun to rise necessarily, right? So like having so much love and empathy for all the parents out there who do parent with some expectation that their, their daughter is going to be polite or nice or fun to be around or have a smile on her face. And it's, it's never coming from a malicious place. It's just coming from like, that's that's just like the subconscious expectation, right? And the thing is, the sun doesn't rebel, but women do. <laughs> and a lot of women, I think, are kind of rebelling against that right now and having this internal struggle of like, I want to be nice, but not at the cost of being me. And so I definitely think that there were some, there were some parts of me that had to really like grow over time to be okay with understanding one that I don't cause other people to have the feelings they have they cause themselves to have the feelings they have based on the narrative that is in their mind about my behavior but it is that not is like such a big one such a big yeah. one yeah yeah that was huge for me and it's still something where there's days where I have to like really remind myself like okay no yeah. I, I hear it right? Like you see this person you love that's hyper emotional and like somebody needs something, they need it. And it's like this really emotional, des emotionally desperate place. And so I just try to go back to the empathy of like, it's okay. It's not somebody's fault that they have an expectation. I expect the sun to rise every morning and I would not, I'm not trying to bully it. Like I wouldn't like punch it if it didn't rise, right? Like for lack of a better metaphor, but I have this expectation and I, you know, I would feel really freaking bad if it didn't do what I thought it was going to do tomorrow. Um, so the emotional reaction, it, it is what it is. And so trying to stay in empathy, not sacrifice connection. That has been like step two for me because originally I really did. Like I was like, oh, it's not my fault. And then I would sacrifice connection in order to feel authenticity. And I feel that that's a lot of where women end up being, not all of them, but a lot of them, quite passive aggressive because they don't want to be aggressive. Like it's not, you know, I don't want to come off as like an apple, but um, they also don't want to be passive. They're tired of being passive for other people to feel good. And so I had to learn that the times I'm sacrificing connection, it's because I waited too long to say what you seem to want from me is not authentic to me, right? So whether it was like, leaving the job that wasn't a fit or telling, you know, my partner, hey, you have this whatever expectation, totally groovy, some other person would have totally operated that way. I'm not that gal, right? Like whatever it is, waiting and not saying it right away made it so that by the time I finally said it, it would come off very aggressive because I had built up all this emotion and then like a volcano, it just like erupted out. Yeah, I, I and sorry to interrupt, I, I, see a lot of women in my in my private practice and men who are specifically um struggling with with like relationship issues and you know to your very point 
we spend a lot of time talking about how important it is from the get-go. Um, anytime you are entering into a new relationship of any sort, not just romantic relationships, right? But but especially romantic relationships. Communicating from the beginning effectively about what your needs and and wants are. And it's okay if it doesn't align with the other person's, then okay, you know, maybe that's not a right fit. Um, but how the person chooses to respond, right? And it, it gives you a lot of data. And you don't have to mold who you are or not present your authentic needs in order to have that other person show interest in you because then it's you're not that's not a real relationship it's based on like nothingness it's based on pleasing it's based on molding fawning um and that ultimately comes back to haunt many people yes yeah for me it was a very specific experience um realizing that the people who thought they were in relationship with me were actually in relationship with someone else mm. like they were in relationship with a person who existed in their mind who is not authentic to me who i allowed them to to create there yeah. and so it wasn't a real relationship because i wasn't involved in it right like my authentic self was not in the picture yes so so yeah so realizing that i'm not causing people's emotions but also like you know I I will sometimes witness them in the emotion of discomfort or the anger or the resentment or even grief that I'm not the person that they want me to be. Yeah. It's okay. And witnessing it is important because the alternative is just to not be in any sort of human connection. Yeah. And a lot of people end up then, I think, very depressed because we need mm. human connection. We're tribal beings. So, yeah. so for me what I really try to practice and what I do with all of my clients is I go, okay, you know, on one side you have authenticity and on the other side you have like community connection. And if you articulate to yourself that you need to choose between the two, then it's a power struggle. Mm -hmm. But if you are finding the space in between that is both authentic and allows yes. Yes. that's just power. Yes. So. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And, and, and this kind of, um, as you were talking even just a few minutes ago about the women who don't want to come off as like overly aggressive or cold or, you know, God forbid, you know, labeled as a, a, a bitch, right? If they actually say what it is that they need or that they're, you know, what they want. And it goes against any sort of norm or expectation, right? It's It's like... I think a lot of women feel like it's either that or they have to smile, be enthusiastic, cross their legs and nod and please. And that's as if there's not any room in between the two in their minds. Um, and I love what you said, that the room in between is, is the power. And that's it. But it takes practice. Yes, it takes yeah. a lot of practice. Yeah. And I think it's about like, it, it's an attitude. It's really an attitude. Like you can't you can't use it in some moments and not others because you like it's very easy to then feel very misaligned mm -hmm. right because in order for boundaries to work in relationship like they do have to be consistent or be something you can articulate to the other person as to why the boundary changed yeah so in order for that to happen it needs to be like a pretty consistent habit to say this is the realm uh like like this is total authenticity where I might just tell you to like shut the F up right now because I'm not feeling it. And then this is total community where I'm like, you're just the best. I just want you to feel loved. What can I do to make you feel more loved? Like, I just love loving you. Right. And then there's, I have to find like a much more narrow, but still very broad reality where I get to have both. I get to say, hey, I, you know, I know you're coming from a good place, but I didn't appreciate what you said right now made me feel a little icky like yeah. not your fault but let's talk about it mm. and that's the space between like shut the hell up I don't want to hear this all the way to like I just got you talking to me how about that 
Yeah. 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 Well, okay. So I want to get into like the moment where you decided that enough was enough with the people pleasing and, you know, feeling so unfulfilled, underappreciated and tired. Like, was there a defining moment for you or like a defining period of time where it was kind of like you were starting to pick up on the fact that "Mm -mm, I can't live like this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes. I, I was living in San Diego at the time and my, my parents are like up North and, and I didn't have to interact with them. And the fact that meant I, that I didn't have to interact with them didn't have to mean that I wouldn't, but I found myself not doing it. And in that same time, there was, like, I mean, I was overworking like crazy in a job where even though they really tried to make me feel valued, it wasn't, it wasn't the support I needed, you know, without saying anything. Um, and so what I realized I was doing with that, even in my friendships, um, my relationship at the time, I noticed a trend where... I was wanting to not show up, like genuinely wanting to just not show up. Just maybe I just won't show up at work today. Maybe I just won't show up to hang out with my friends. Maybe I just won't, you know, show up for that phone call with my family or whatever it was. Um, and it was very depressing. It wasn't nice. And eventually I just, I think I, I had to crack and go, okay, but this is my life. So I have to want to show up, right? Like I have to want to show up with something. What do I want to show up with? And my inability at the time to answer what do I really want to show up with became, it became my aha moment that, okay, I'm not being authentic enough to myself to know what authentically happy looks like. Yeah. And as soon as I realized that, and there were a lot of like external circumstances, I also had like some you know, injury at the time. So I was dealing with physical pain. I think physical pain had is like, has this beautiful emotional medicine of telling you like what you do not want to put up with that if you weren't yes. in put up with. Yeah. Um, so it was just very like beautifully orchestrated that life was giving me this like wonderful opportunity to say, I believe I deserve to show up in ways and into situations and into experiences where I get to feel authentic and I get to feel appreciated and I shouldn't have to operate in these very like um, restrictive ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was what helped me figure out that that was the extreme, that I yeah. felt that choosing community meant not being authentic and being authentic, I thought meant no community. And I was ping ponging like crazy. And because because I'm human, I would always find myself back into like, even though I resented it, trying to get community at the cost of my authenticity because I'm a tribal being. Like there's, there's yeah. no avoiding that. So it took me a lot of introspection over some very, very challenging months to be like, this is where I'm kind of playing this like eternal whack-a-mole with myself. What can I do about it? And yeah. from that, cultivating like new beliefs, new habits, new boundaries, a lot of a lot of transition. Did anybody in particular kind of help you through that time or were there specific um, resources that really helped to kind of like illuminate what you needed to do to kind of start to alter the course for yourself? Yeah, I would, I mean, without naming a specific person I think everybody that loved me did the best they could to support me and I I don't know that I would have gotten the same results if there weren't people who did love me and go I don't really get what you're going through your boundaries are very different than how they used to be but I'm here for it let's figure it out right um and I will say at the time I didn't feel the support as much as it was there at the time I was so stuck in the, and I'm saying this because I know whoever is listening to this like I don't want you to hear that I did have support and go that means I can't do it because I don't have support like that's such 
Yeah. Sorry, but it's a cop out. It's not true. I mm. felt I had no support at the time. I felt the whole world was against me. Nobody wanted me to draw my new boundaries. Nobody wanted me to talk about how resentful I felt about feeling the need to people please and like the internal battle. Nobody wanted to be there for it because they had their own lines and they had their own things to put their emotions towards. Um, and so I didn't get what I thought, what I thought at the time I needed. So I very much thought it was on me. And so the things that I thought got me there was one, I started working out. Like, honestly, I think that has been like the biggest game changer. I think it is so, 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 um, like as much as we're starting to talk about it as a society, I think it's really unappreciated mm. how feeling in control of your body, like knowing that you can move it the way you want to move it, then does something to the mind where you're like, oh, maybe I can also move my emotions the way I want to. Maybe I yeah. can yeah. the way I want yeah. to. Yeah, physical stagnation, right? I mean, your your mind is housed in your body. They're not separate. And I think even though we hear these like buzzwords all about the mind-body connection and we're like, yeah, we know like some things about that. But actually, there is so much actual research that explains what that's all about. And, uh, you know, we all, many of us know that for people who have gone through trauma, the body literally stores trauma in, in, in our tissues. So our bodies remember and hold on to what the mind can't tolerate or wants to suppress. And so, yeah, when you physically start to move your body, your emotions start to flow. And so do your thoughts. So does your spiritual growth. Yeah, I, lo I love what you just said. Okay. And so you had the love available to you, but you were so kind of like stuck in your own mind and people were busy with their own lives. And I do think one thing important to acknowledge a few moments ago, you had said, you know, I had this, it was like this perfect, um, like sun, moon and stars were aligned. I had this injury, which, you know, clarified for me that like I'm putting up with a lot of bullshit that I, I really don't want to do. Um, but at the time, you weren't thinking this is a beautiful opportunity. You were thinking, fuck my life, right? I mean, is that? Yeah, it was. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was in fight or flight. And I, I, yeah. I, people have their you know, their pick of the two, I choose fight. And so I just really went and that was why I started going to the gym. And I just, I just like, I would still hover between the two for sure. But at the end of the day, I was like, okay, the one that makes me feel competent, the one that makes me feel in control, the one that makes me feel in charge of my life and where it's going is fight, not flight. So even though there was a lot I fleed from at first, like, I don't want this job anymore. I don't want this relationship anymore. I don't want these friends, you know, um, but it was the fight that got me out of it. Like really, truly. Yeah. 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 Okay. So presently your mission is to quote, reach other women who are ready to shift their own mindset and trust their incredible genius and worthiness so they can create a juicy, rewarding career that makes them excited to wake up in the morning. And you use the skill and science of decision-making to help empower women to break out of the exhausting power dynamics that we all frequently experience as women in the business world. So how would a client experience the work that you do with them? Like, what would that look like? Yeah, it's definitely, it's custom to the client. So I do work one-on-one -on -one. um i'm a big believer in like the intimacy being a part of the healing of like just holding something and be like okay a lot of us don't get the attention the support the love that we think we need in order to make the transition so definitely starting with that foundation um and then you know what you touched on before was you know i believe that your your sense of self-trust your ability to cultivate a powerful presence, like really, really feel empowered within yourself and then be seen that way and be respected for it. Um, and your ability to have complete conviction in what, what you want and where you're going is really, really important. And so 
decision-making is at the core of that because I think a lot of the time people don't realize that surreal self-trust is a decision more than anything. Um, a lot of the time we look for external information, external validation, like all these external things to make us feel a sense of trust with ourselves. And I really believe that trust is actually just about your relationship with yourself, right? Like you don't trust your friend because they're right about everything all the time. You trust your friend because they have your back. They are kind to you. They challenge you when necessary, but they do it in a loving way. You have fun experiences together. Um, so a lot of the work I do with with women, like, you know, when they first come to me, they usually come because they want to make a decision that's very specific. Like, you know, should I apply to this new job? Should I move to this other country? Um, you know, or maybe they made the decision. They're like, I just need the strategy. But in order for the strategy to work and for us to stick to it, self-trust is really the foundation. So that's a yeah. lot of a lot of the work that I do is around self-trust. And then beyond that, it is about getting people from women especially out of that power struggle between authenticity and community. Like the the ping-ponging back and forth wastes so much emotional, mental, physical energy. Yeah. And and so many women both think they're not powerful and somehow are like scared of how powerful they are at the same time. And so yeah. Yeah, right? So so being in that state, being able to be like, hmm, hold on. I somehow feel both. I'm somehow slightly intimidated by both. Like, where's the in-between? How do I stop ping-ponging between these two dynamics with myself? Um, and that just further builds the trust because internal consistency allows for trust. You trust the things you can predict, right? And if you think that there's two extremes of you and you don't know which one you're going to wake up at as today... And it's almost like having a good hair day or a, or a bad hair day, right? So it's like, it's a good mood or it's a bad mood day. It's like, well, no, it's a me day. I'm still me. I was me yesterday. I was me the day before. I'll be me tomorrow. Like, that's the only option I have. So how do I just feel powerful in being me and do it consistently? And when we do that and we have that respect for ourselves and we believe in our enoughness and we're able to have conviction in who we are and the consistent values we want to live by, that's when we get the respect. Um, and because of my background, because of like my nonprofit work, you know, working, like being a part of a county commission, um, a lot of the work that I, that I care to do is about helping women reframe that just because there is a cultural expectation or just because there is a narrative or just because or even because there's like, like, even because you're scared that there might be a cultural expectation, that can really distract from accountability and it can distract from power. And like in my experience, the women that come to me, they're like, I just want more money. And then, you know, either in their business or like in getting them a raise with their boss, all we have to do is go, well, what if you don't have to be reasonable? And as soon as I can get them to understand, it's not my job to be reasonable. I can be unreasonable. Like, it, I don't have to work within the framework of being reasonable. All of a sudden, all these doors open up, right? And it's yeah. it's not systemic sexism sitting them down and going, you need to be reasonable. It's not have even their boss sitting them down going, you need to be reasonable. It's all these things that feel like they hold power over us. They may or may not. We can have a debate. But what I do know and what I do see with my clients is that when you decide the power is within you and when you take accountability and when you look at what you can influence, not yeah. what you can't influence, you get really cool results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think there's so much in there too about, you know, what, as you were saying, we can have it, we can have a debate. Sometimes it might be true. And some, a lot of times it's not, right? It's And I, how I understand that is about um, a couple things. One, the narratives that we cling so tightly to that are um, that stem from previous life experiences um, where we were given certain implicit or explicit messages about ourselves and then how we choose to protect ourselves from feeling any pain, you know, or, or experiences that might bring up um, triggers of similar emotions. And so then we don't, then we stop putting ourselves out there and taking risks or another way of saying that is stepping into our own power as authentically and fully as we can. 
Um, and so I will be transparent and disclose some of uh, some of my own, uh, how this comes to mind for me, because it's only fair if I'm asking you to do the same. Um, and I said I would do it when I introduced myself on this podcast in episode one. So this is a new exercise for me, right? I'm used to being the person to hold space for everyone else, um, having, you know, being a therapist. Um, but as I am um, expanding into coaching um, as well, I get to bring a little more of myself. Um, and here on this podcast, I, I want to bring as much of myself as as I can push myself to to the limit. And so this is me kind of stepping into my own power by doing something that feels um, joyful and um, meaningful and that I feel like uses my skill set in a, in a cool and creative way. Um, but it's also like what you were saying earlier, scary and vulnerable because now I'm like really putting myself out by like literally like putting like a spotlight on myself. Um, and, um, but if I don't try, I'll never know my own power. If I just listen to the voices that tell me all the scary things, and I, I have them all the time, um, then I would never know what I was truly made of. Um, and so that's how I relate to some of what you were just saying. Yeah. 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 I appreciate you sharing that. And I, yeah. I, I think so many of us, I mean, one constant thing I I see with my clients is a lot of them come to me and what they want is strategy. They're like, Letta, you just had all this success at a really young age. You must have used strategies. What were they? How did you negotiate? How did you like, you know, how did you approach performance reviews? How did you um, apply for jobs? What do you put in a cover letter? Um, you know, how do you tell your boss that you need to change boundaries? And it's, it's like so tactical and I get it. But, you know, interestingly, when people go to a relationship, relationship coach, they don't just go, okay, tell me what app to use. They don't think it's going to be that tactical. With careers, a lot of women think that it will be so tactical. It's like, no, because it's about it's about who you are to actually set the boundaries. It's about who you are to actually say, I deserve more money. It's about who you are to, right? Like, who are you showing up as? Like, people don't give you respect because you ask for it. People give you respect because you respect yourself. Yes. Yes. Right? And then you hold them to the boundary of like, hey, everybody in here respects me. So if you want to be in that next level of being close to be, you're going to have to do it too, right? And it's a very authentic and like grounded approach. So so it's funny, I get all, you know, I still get clients um, who come to me with like this very tactical goal. And it's like, my goal for you is to give yourself permission to be who you are and then do exactly what you're doing, right? Of being like, okay, there are voices in my head that are not even in the room. Right. Like, yeah, the system is not sitting next to me on the left and my boss is not sitting next to me on the right when I'm researching salaries for people who do the work I do. But somehow I yeah. have imagined this reality yeah. and yeah. I have this internal, right? Like calling yourself out on that and going, okay, this is internal pressure. This is in my control. I'm the one narrating the thoughts in my head. These people are not in the room. It's none of their business what I'm doing right now. Um, and then realigning with yourself and learning to quiet the inner critic so that, you know, because I saw you sharing right now and I'm sure your inner critic was like, why are you sharing so much right now? <laughs> like, that's what we do now. Yeah. 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 Like, that's what we do now. Are you sure? <laughs> you know? Um, and it's just, it's the same with anything in life. And that's why I'm yeah. such a builder. And like the, the internal transformation, the authenticity and like, working with your self-talk and all these really like hard to measure things that nobody tells you like put this up as a deliverable on your website as to what you do with your clients because nobody goes I want better self-talk so I'm gonna go work with Lena but it's like yeah. but you do yeah. and that's what you get because yeah. then be kinder to yourself and then you can and then you can ask other people to be kinder to you and then you can get what it is that you want in your career and you can feel powerful and you don't feel like there's something more powerful than you that lives inside your head anymore it's all you. I love it. I love it, Lena. 
And P.S., like we all hear the word, um, another buzzword right now, authenticity, right? Let's like you see it everywhere, all the like pop psychology things on Instagram and everywhere else. Just like often it's like, but okay, that's at least in some ways good because it's it's making people curious. Um, It's relevant in some way, but then it's kind of like, well, what is it? Um, what does that mean? And how do I actually um, do it? And ha- how does it translate into my actions and my thoughts and my behaviors and the way and my worldview and my relationships? Um, and um, I love how I, I love the work that you're doing um, and how you really kind of break it down and troubleshoot with each individual um, woman that that you work with. So um, um your timeline is also really interesting to follow. So without going into too much detail, you started off having studied psychology and marketing. And I do want to say somewhere, was it right after right after uh, you got your degree in psychology and marketing? Is that when you got your managerial, your fancy managerial role? Yeah, right after it's a bit of a stretch. I had I had like a fun year of adventures that I don't That's for you. Know. I think everybody should. <laughs> yeah, I regret I regret not. Yeah, yeah. So I did all my adventuring and self discovery, and you know who I am I because I mean I, I graduated college very young, and I did not I had no idea who I was. I think at the time almost at all, um, at least in comparison to what I know now. So I had all that fun, and then I still was like, well what am I doing with this degree? Like, what is there a plan? And I, I literally just thought of like, what are jobs that I know? And I ended up in what I thought would be super cool. Um, you know, being in charge of operations, um, for like a retailer. And I thought it'd be cool. Cause I was like, Oh, you know, I'll have a team of people working for me and I get to cultivate them and help them grow. And, you know, I always, like I wanted to be a middle school counselor. I always wanted to just help people in some capacity. I was like, maybe I can help them grow in their careers. And um, and I think my rose-colored glasses got tinted a little brown um, after some time in that. So I definitely felt I had to transition. Yeah, transition pretty quickly. Was that the rule where you worked? You were overworked, overspent, drained. Yeah. Was that that time? Yeah, I had a couple of roles. Okay. I think in some way it's like the nature of retail and how they structure it and Hmm. what makes sense financially when you're you know figuring all that out as a retailer but um it definitely was a role where I felt like the only way to and it could have been my it could have been my perspective at the time right so I I will say that but um I felt that the only way to fill the shoes was to try to exceed expectations and that the only way to exceed expectations was like to exhaust myself like crazy. Okay. So from there, you went on to doing um, advocacy work at a nonprofit. In 2018, you started to really work your ass off and steering your life in a more fulfilling direction. Um, At least that is what you say on your website. And I'm wondering if you can elaborate on that a little bit for us. Like, what what did that entail? Yeah. Yeah. I think so before that point in my life, when I was looking at my career, right, I was looking at it in terms of how can I just be the most valuable to the people around me? And a really big shift that happened for me was, okay, how can I be the most valuable to the most people, but based on my value system? And that shift took me from looking more for like, you know, this the status or the recognition or the validation or like the praise for my boss, my coworkers, whatever, to looking at the actual work. Like, what is the impact of the work that I'm doing? And it's something I always cared about, but that inner like need to feel enough and to feel valuable enough and the fact that there was never enough was so distracting prior so the fulfillment came from again like really mastering my self-talk 
right? Or at least to that level where I could go, okay, but it's about the impact that I'm having and it's about the way that I'm showing up. And so I ended up, you know, I was working at a nonprofit. Um, I got to, I always cared very deeply about the education system and how it molds children and the kind of opportunities that it opens their eyes to. So I got to do work that felt very fulfilling in terms of, you know, learning about how the system works and trying to, you know, sprinkle in some change where I could and do it with a group of people who had much more similar values than, you know, in other careers because we were all in it for the impact. And that was the really cool thing about nonprofit work. Um, And very shortly, maybe even a a month or something like that, after I got that job, I had also um, been appointed to a county commission. And so again, I was surrounded by women who were like volunteering so much time to try to create um, a community and like a, you know, a local government that was really in service of women and their needs and, um, you know, making them feel supported and resourced. Um, And very quickly, I realized that the thing that was missing in my life was not not being enough in terms of validation because I don't think I had more validation. I think I was better to, I was better validating myself because I was in alignment with my own value system. And so, yeah, yes. yeah. So that's why when you look at my website, I say like external, like meaningless external validation. And I need it because at the time it, I thought it was meaningful. But when I made that shift, I was like, holy crap, life is so much more fulfilling when I am able to validate myself because I feel I'm operating within my value system to the very best of my abilities and my time and my energy and all these like really precious resources are going towards that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and actually it's so, um, so relevant and top of mind for me as I'm um, getting ready to launch my my kind of um, trial package for my own coaching clients. But at the very first session that I will have um, with coaching clients is all about values because it is the foundation for everything else. Um, and in order to identify where targeted change can occur, you first have to know what your values are because you can't figure out where things are out of alignment unless you know what your values are. It's kind of like your compass, your North Star. Um, And you might, you know, need a little help to kind of like clarify them. Uh, But that's, you know, we partner around that and there's all different things you can do to kind of like get in, in close touch with what resonates most strongly as your your own values in different buckets and different areas of life. Um, but without that, it's really hard to to make change. So I think absolutely I think that's the first step of everything. Um, and you know, I say all the time people feel out of sync, anxious, depressed when their choices and their actions, are a mismatch with their values. Like that's the crux of it all. Okay, I must let our audience know that clearly you are doing some deeply impactful work on the commission on the status of women because um, in 2020, you were recognized as a Silicon Valley woman of influence, which is super cool. Congratulations to you. And again, I mean, as I'm saying that, I'm recognizing like, yeah, that's an amazing external source of validation. Um, And that's always like a nice little bonus. But I just, even from this brief conversation, I can tell that the real gratification was the journey on the way each and every step and feeling the impact of the work you are doing, right? Because the, the feeling from that, bonus at the end that external value it like lasts for like five seconds until you want the next one i need the next one need the next one so um yeah okay so can you tell the listeners uh what's coming up for you next professionally and then after you're done telling us about that i want to hear about your traveling the world with your husband (laughs) i have to know oh that's so cute (laughs) so 
in terms of what's coming up next, it's, I really love what you said now about the external validation piece. I think that it's been a really big transition for me over, you know, many years to not care about the external validation. But something that always did matter to me was like more so the impact on other people than the internal journey. And I think that a lot of what is up next for me is learning how to, similarly to you, just be more vulnerable about the internal journey. I think a lot of women, um, you know, a lot of people come to me and they're like, okay, so um, it looks like you made it to director and like chair of a commission in like your mid-20s and how and what. And, you know, and it sounds very intimidating and it's like, yeah, but I mean... It's that's not the part that matters. The part that matters was I went from being such an emotional mess with myself to really, really respecting myself. And then the other stuff was just a result of that. Mm. I think like for me to feel even more in service now and realizing that I just need to be a lot more transparent and about what it took and like the level of like the extent of the doubt, the extent of the emotional mess that I have to work through to get there so that people understand that like, even as I was making those accomplishments happen, there's always the next level. Even now there's always the next level. So when I think about what's next, honestly, for me, in terms of being of service, it's just getting really freaking comfortable being like, doubt never disappears from your life. It's always something that you get to like rumble and tumble and just learn to view as an opportunity to trust yourself even more and to view trust as a decision. Mm. Um, now, in terms of like tactically what that looks like, um, I haven't even like launched this offer. Um, I don't know if by the time you showcase this, it'll be out there. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of what I'm transitioning to is allowing for much easier opportunities to work with me around decision making in terms of like, you know, a lot of women just struggle with confusion and confusion, like the feeling of not being clear on what should I do next and asking ourselves, what should I do? 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 Is emotionally exhausting. So coming up with different solutions to just get women to stop asking that question and instead go like, well, what do I want to do? And being able to hold them mm. in space is something that I'm really, really excited to do. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna soon be launching some offers around this. Oh, I can't wait! I can't yeah. wait! I'm definitely gonna want to follow up with you. Um, want to hear something funny too? I'm realizing, in the spirit of being authentic, um, I was drinking a can of Coke Zero earlier today with my lunch, and I'm noticing in my background just now. Oh, there it is, right on my credenza. I put it up there as I quickly ran upstairs to get this little jacket for the call because the air conditioning is so cold in here. But um, <laughs> there it is. Um, okay, that's funny. So, okay. Um, I'm so sad. I don't want to like end this. This is, I just, I adore talking to you. Like truly, this is just, yeah. Like I could definitely keep this going. Um, but uh, yeah, school pickup for the kids. So. Any final words of wisdom or just anything you want to share with the audience today? Anything you'd like to add? Yeah. This is like from my heart to yours. Your power is a beautiful thing. It doesn't matter how much it intimidates other people. It doesn't matter how much it scares the shit out of you. It's there and it's there all the time. It's there even when you don't see it. So if there's anything you take away from this, if you can get yourself out of that ping pong battle between authenticity and community and find the in-between space in every situation and give yourself permission to take a walk first if you need it and give yourself permission to say to the other person, time out on this combo if you need it and give yourself permission to take a day off and just not talk to anybody if you need it so that you're in the mental emotional space to find the in-between and to facilitate that for yourself and then be able to communicate it that'll change your life it's it's like it's the best thing i've ever discovered for myself 
And um, I really hope you at least give it a try. Lena, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, I've just, it's been, you are truly a delight. I love talking to you. And um, if people want to learn more about you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you and connect with you? Yeah, so definitely go to my website. It's just lenaathena.com and um, come connect with me on Instagram, which is at Lena S. Athena. And um, if you want it to, you can totally reach out on LinkedIn. Perfect. And we will put that in the show notes as well to make it easy for everybody. And until next time, keep shining brightly. If you have enjoyed the show and want to learn more, you can follow me at www.sheilluminated.com or email me with comments and show ideas at Jana at sheilluminated.com. If you're interested in working with me as a coaching client, contact me at Jana at JanaFuchsCoaching.com. And if this episode meant something to you, please consider supporting the show by taking less than one minute to rate and review the show. It makes all the difference in the world to help spread the word, and it makes it accessible to wider audiences everywhere. You can also take a screenshot of it and share it with a friend or on your socials. Tag me, Jana Fuchs Coaching. And as always, may you walk through the rest of your day feeling just a bit more brightly illuminated. Until next time.